Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome everybody. You are listening live to the Red Zone Sports Report. My name is Chip Lake, and as you can tell, I'm a little bit different today. I got uh, a little <laughs> bit of a chest cold, a little bit of a head cold as we're heading into the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, so uh, the good news for all the listeners tonight is that uh, you're going to get to listen more to our esteemed co-host as we talk about uh, uh, a lot of activity going on in college football as well as NFL football. And, uh, guys, let's get right to it. Um um, NCAA College Football Playoff Committee uh, tonight, only about an hour and a half ago, released the um, the committee's new top 25. And really wish we would have done a show uh, last week, guys, because uh, um, uh, it was certainly a lot more activity with the top three out of the top four teams losing, but not a whole lot of movement. There was no movement in the top four. Alabama remains number one, no surprise there, followed by Ohio State and Michigan, who play this weekend. We're going to talk about that game here in a little bit. Uh, then Clemson, four at 10-1. and one. Uh, Washington, five at 10-1. and one. Uh, The Wisconsin Badgers, number six, nine and two. Penn State, seven, nine and two. Oklahoma, Colorado, and Oklahoma State, fill out the top ten with Louisville dropping out after their absolutely abysmal performance on national TV last Thursday at Houston. So, Matt Metcalf, let's go ahead and start with you. Um, Give me your thoughts a little bit about this uh, college football playoff top 25. Who do you think at the end of the day is going to make it in? I mean, do you think these are the four teams we're looking at? Um, for the playoff, or uh, you know, who do you think uh, is most likely to drop out? Specifically, does the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan State game, excuse me, the Ohio State-Michigan game drop, or does it depend on how good of a game it is? Well, they should drop unless everyone else loses. And this is this is really the absurdity of releasing these rankings every week, so ESPN can have a television show. Uh, as you both know, I went to a basketball school up in Chapel Hill. You don't see them releasing the 64-team bracket every week starting in January. Um, yeah. and, and, and this has happened in the past with the SEC when there were three SEC teams in the top four, and all of them had to play each other. It, it's just absolutely absurd. It gets people wound up for no reason. But, hey, it's good for ratings, good for clicks. Quite frankly, good for this show. Um, but, That's right. Uh, but I just, you, you know, whoever it, the, the the committee is going to be in a really interesting spot when it comes to the Big Ten, though, because you've got Ohio State and Michigan, both of which are fine football teams, but they have to play each other. That's going to, you know, one of them's going to be at eleven and one. One's going to be ten and two. If Michigan's at eleven and one, everything's kind of clear. They'll go to the Big Ten title game. They'll most likely win it, and then they'll be in the top four. If Ohio State wins and is at 11-1 and one, and Penn State wins this weekend, Penn State has the tiebreak against Ohio State to go to the Big Ten title game. And then you get the committee has boxed itself in over the last couple of years by saying how important conference championships are. 
That's right. So you'd be sitting there with a with an Ohio State team, quite frankly, probably worthy of the top four this year, considering That's who right. the other teams have lost to. Um, and 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 then Penn State, who at at ten and two is quite frankly not worthy, considering the teams they've beaten and the teams they've lost to. Uh, so are you going to put them in? Do you put the team from the other side of the Big Ten? It really kind of has them in a conundrum. Uh, so I think most of the folks in the committee are going to be pulling really hard for Michigan uh, this weekend and then sort of hoping that Washington and Clemson keep their nose clean. Because, frankly, Alabama, Michigan, and Cle- uh, Alabama undefeated are even with one loss. A one-loss Michigan, a one-loss Clemson, and a one-loss Washington is about the cleanest thing the committee can hope for after a fairly right. absurd year of college football. Yeah, absolutely. Kip, let me ask you this, because we can't really have a meaningful discussion about the top 25 in college football right now um, uh, without discussing, as Matt talked about, uh, the game this weekend in uh, in Columbus between Ohio State and Michigan. And, you know, we, we – we uh, we can't forget uh, the last time these teams were ranked um, this high or near this high. They're, they're two and three when they play on Saturday. But, you know, back in 2006 when they played Kip, um, Ohio State was number one. Michigan was number two. That was a 42-39 to 39 game. Here's a quick look back from that game, courtesy of ESPN. And then, Kip, I want to get your thoughts on uh, not only the selection committee's top 25, but then the Ohio State-Michigan game as well. The first ever one versus two collision in this rivalry to the winner of the BCS championship game in Glendale, Arizona. Kip, it's hard to believe that was only 2006. Ohio State goes on to win that game, and they get to play for a BCS national title. If you remember that year, they went on to play Florida. That was the game on the opening kickoff that Ted Ginn returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown for Ohio State to take a 7 to nothing lead. And then Chris Leak and the freshman Tim Tebow and company went on to outscore Ohio State the remainder of the game, 41-7, to ended up winning that game 41-14. to Of course, the coach of that Florida Gators team, Urban Meyer, um, my how things change. So, give us your thoughts, Kip, on uh, on the selection committee's top twenty-five, and then the uh, how you see the game shaking out this weekend uh, between Ohio State and Michigan. Well, first of all, uh, you guys probably need to go ahead and send somebody to uh, to terminate my time on on this planet because I found myself <laughs> agreeing with Joey Galloway throughout the program tonight, which oh, is my. a frightening thought. That's never happened ever in my life. Um, yeah, no, that that's never happened in my life. I didn't watch it this week, so I can't say that I shared that. But go ahead. Well, well he, he, here's the reason why, because a, a, a real uh, brawl broke out between him and then the team of Herb Street and Cannell uh, on that issue that Matt was discussing a minute ago. If if everything plays out according to uh, Hoyle here, if Ohio State beats Michigan on Saturday. Penn State goes at, out and uh, they're a big favorite, too big a favorite in my opinion, against Michigan State, who's a three and seven team, by the way. That Ohio State overwhelmed by one point on Saturday, but I guess style really doesn't matter at this point. It's just get the double. That's right. But uh, it, it, if it does work out that way, and Penn State goes to the Big Ten 
championship game and beats Wisconsin, Cannell and Herbstreet were both saying, well, if it comes down then to Ohio State and Wisconsin, you still have to go with Ohio State. And Joey Galloway went berserk. And here's why, and this is where I found myself agreeing. Penn State beat Ohio State head-to-head. They won the division that both Ohio State and Michigan were in, and then they would go on and be the Big Ten champion, and you still select Ohio State over them? Yeah. Joey Galloway said, why do we play the games? Uh, which was, uh, I mean, it was the first time I've ever agreed with him. I, I don't disagree that Ohio State's certainly on the eye test a better football team than Penn State. I don't think Penn State's right. good. But um, – but, you know, if, if, if you beat the team head-to-head, you win your division that you're in with them, and you win the championship of your league, how in the world you can go. the other team? I yeah. mean, good grief. That's, that's a, and, and, and like Matt said, I, they're hoping for less chaos than that and, and more clarity. As far as the Ohio State-Michigan game, while Ohio State was putting <clears> on such a dazzling performance in East Lansing that was very reminiscent of last year's game in swirling winds and – conservative offenses. I don't think this game's going to be 42 to 39. Did you see Michigan's offense the last two weeks? Oh, I mean, they are word. just completely, uh, yeah. they've thrown a rod. They scored 10 points at Iowa and Iowa does not have a scary, uh, shut them down kind of defense this year. They're just an average big 10 team, but that, you know, you lose a road game in the conference. I mean, that's going to happen sometime, but I was more even underwhelmed with their performance at home against Indiana on the on the big stage on Saturday, where they trailed late in the third quarter in that game and did come back and win twenty to ten. But I I found it completely uninspiring. And if if Spaeth, the quarterback that was playing all year, doesn't come back and they're and they're going with this old corn kid again, uh, I was totally unimpressed with him. I think they have no yeah. chance in Columbus. Um, so, you know, I, 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 it's amazing how these teams just keep getting passes. And, and I understand why, because the teams in the five to 10 rank range all have some baggage too. So, I mean, who do you move back ahead of those teams? But right now I'm not so sure that some Oklahoma's and Colorado's and teams in that next tier aren't every bit as good as some of these big 10 teams that are ranked ahead of them, which there are four, by the way as Penn State and Wisconsin both occupy spots ahead of Oklahoma and Colorado. So this thing could either smooth out and, and as Matt suggested, uh, be uh, less problematic for the committee, or it could be a real mess at the end of the day, and there's going to be controversy for years because they're going to have to just pick and choose from a pool of about eight teams behind Alabama. Yeah, no, they really will. It's going to be crazy. And I I tell you, Matt, we had – Matt, we had on on the interview series. We're fortunate enough to have Tim Brando on a couple weeks ago, and it was the week of the Georgia game. And you know, one of the things that Tim said was how important the Georgia game was for Auburn and for the SEC because his contention was the SEC really needs the Auburn Alabama game to mean something. And if Auburn suffered another loss, which they did. Uh, they went on to lose, obviously, to uh, to Georgia in Athens. You know, his thought was if Auburn loses that game, it really doesn't make the Auburn-Alabama game mean a whole lot. Can't say that I disagree with him. Um, Alabama, 17.5-point favorites this weekend at home. Uh, Auburn still does not know who is going to their, their starting quarterback will be, and we don't know if Cameron Petway is going to play. But i got to tell you, even if Cameron Petway does play, the odds of him being 100% are pretty small. Small. Matt, thoughts about the Iron Bowl this year? 
Well, with all due respect to Mr. Brando, it's one of those games that just matters. Yeah, you know, we've seen Army and Navy roll in at three and eight, and that game matters. We've seen Ohio State, and Michigan play some games where it's not national champion implication, and it matters. That said, he is right in the bigger picture. It would have been better for the SEC um, yeah. had Auburn managed to pull that game off. But again, um, it's 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 it, it's still the number one team in the country playing a ranked team. Um, and I, you know, yes, Alabama kinda has a mulligan right now. Uh, they're the only undefeated team left. They can drop one of these last two against, um, against Auburn or Florida and still probably come out. Okay. Um, it's, it's again, it, it all goes back to where we are with the committee and Kip said something really interesting. I don't even know if he realized it, but he said, they're kind of choosing between eight teams and isn't eight an interesting number. Because that's yeah. where all of us think eventually this thing's heading. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's been a joke among Alabama fans for the last couple of weeks, and there's some truth behind it. Is shouldn't Alabama just get a bye in the yeah. first round? <laughs> I mean, there there really are with everybody else with one and two losses. There does seem to be a pretty fair amount of separation there, um, and and so that's why I think you know. If, but if you go through and look at the things right now and look at the top eight. You've got a pretty tight little, yeah, there might be a little fight between the winner of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Colorado, but but you've got a pretty tight eight-team grid there, and it's enough that it makes sure the regular season still counts, but kind of cleans up things like this mess in the, in the Big Ten this year. So, yes, Alabama-Auburn still matters because it always does, um, and, 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 yeah, I think we're heading to a, long, a bigger playoff. Interesting, Kip. Uh, thoughts on uh, before you give us your thoughts on uh, the Iron Bowl this year. Uh, play a little bit of clip, uh, a post game clip from Nick Saban this weekend uh, after what I think everybody would agree was just kind of a pretty flat, lackluster performance against UTC. You know, when you're playing conference games every week and you're playing big games every week, it's really hard to get guys not to have a letdown. You know, when you use the word just just racing against this guy. I'm just playing this team. I'm just, you know, you set yourself up for thinking something's going to be easy, uh, and you can be complacent, and you don't have to have the same kind of energy level to go play the game. Kip, isn't it amazing that uh, that Nick Saban is, uh, is, is um, you know, says that in a game in which his team defeated – an eight and three UTC team or an eight and two UTC team. They beat him thirty-one to three. It's not like they had to kick a field goal at the last minute to hold off Nichols State at home. So uh, it just goes to show you where that program is right now. Thoughts on the Iron Bowl this weekend, Kip? I, you know, I host a show here on Sunday mornings that you were uh, gracious enough to uh, come on and be a guest uh, on earlier in the year, Chip, and. Uh, Sunday morning, people on both sides were in a bad mood. Uh, yeah. Auburn had won 55 to nothing. Alabama had won 31 to three, and you, you would have thought both of them had lost. Um, <laughs> Auburn, Auburn fans were were in shock that Jeremy. Uh, I, I made the statement that Jeremy Johnson they had to uh, they had to get a a, a team of <laughs> experts uh, like like digging a, a trap miner. He was buried so far behind the bench they had to excavate him to get him in uniform and get him on the field. Um, they did, and uh, the Auburn fans were shocked to see Jeremy Johnson. It's alive, 
But Auburn fans are still furious here from the ones that I talk to on a daily basis and on the radio show that uh, the Georgia game, uh, Gus Malzahn, who maintained afterwards, just, uh, well, Sean White just wasn't right, and we didn't let him throw a single pass during the week because we knew it was going to be a struggle. Every single person says, "What was there had to have been a plan B then? If you yeah, knew going no, in that exactly John right. White wasn't, yeah, wasn't able to play and wasn't going to be effective, uh, Georgia was going to figure that out eventually. That hey, wait a minute, all we got to do is put eight guys in the box to stop the run. This guy can't throw the ball. So yeah, uh, and 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 the telltale thing in that game after all the three and outs." Georgia was in a three-man rush, dropping eight guys deep in coverage, and Auburn couldn't even make a first down on their last possession in the two-minute drill, yeah. uh, where they yeah. give you twenty-yard cushions. So, just a shocking performance that way. And so Gus has gone back to to being squarely under the bus. Auburn fans don't give their own team a chance for this game, and Alabama fans were frustrated that uh, that the team struggled with Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga, admittedly, a pretty good team in the FCS series. Who, you know, you know these these smaller teams. I don't know when people are going to get the memo, but these better teams from from FCS that come in, they look. This is a big opportunity to play on a big stage. They're not intimidated. These are scholarship players too. Uh, how many right. examples do we have to see this year of this happening? And like you said, it wasn't like it was a nail biter. Chattanooga no, it was 31. Yeah, they were never in the game. Early. That's right. Never, ever threatened to score ever again. It's just like the LSU game. It was only 10 nothing, but LSU really never threatened to score. Um, so Alabama fans are so spoiled and so jaded right now that they really don't uh, see the situation very clearly. Um, you know, Malzahn has a history of, for, for whatever, however he's been able to do it, they have they've had some success offensively over the years against Alabama. Now if he can find a rabbit in a hat against this defense, uh, he he needs Cameron Petway back, and they've been Auburn's uh, top secret on this injury thing. Uh, we didn't even know Sean White was even nicked up, and it turns out he's needing uh, to be you know admitted to to uh, the Mayo Clinic. It yeah. looks like. So who yeah. knows if he's going to play? If Petway's going to play, we really don't have enough information to make a call. You know, I I I I think Auburn will show up and and now maybe even give Alabama a better game since they have really nothing to lose and can just let it fly. I told you four weeks ago that I thought Auburn's defense was playing as well as just about any unit in the country, and I continue to maintain that their defense has had an amazing year. And and uh, yeah. and, and 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 I, I, I Alabama's not a offensive juggernaut. Um, they they are having still some problems. Um, Moving the ball consistently, the passing game, you know, it is a true freshman, and he hasn't uh, completely mastered the craft in the passing game. So I think Auburn can hang around and, and give Alabama a competitive game, and I look forward to be still, you know, like like Matt said, the Iron Bowl matters, and this one does too. I think it's good. I'm looking forward to watching it. Well, I'm looking forward to it too, but going back to the Georgia game too, Kip, as, as an Auburn guy, I mean, you just scratch your head and you go, you know what, as a head coach, if you know that you're – if you know that your quarterback is banged up and you know that your running back is not playing, that was the game plan you came up with. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, it's just, un- it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it was back to the same offense we had at, 
Texas A&M, and we played LSU, we played Clemson. You know, those are four pretty good teams, and our offense was completely non-existent. So um, not real optimistic about the game this weekend, but you hit the nail on the head, Kip. We have nothing to lose. Nobody yeah. expects anything out of what Auburn. We're a 17-and-a-half-point underdog. We have absolutely nothing to lose. And so um, – uh, so we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, Matt, let me uh, kind of flip to you real quick and talk about a, a shocking development in South Bend. I know this is stunning, right, that, that the NCAA announced on Tuesday uh, Notre Dame has to vacate all 21 of their victories from 2012 and 2013. And that's because a former student athletic trainer completed substantial academic work for two players and helped six others impermissibly. Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly says he will appeal and that the penalties were excessive. Here is Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly, and then Matt, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the situation in South Bend. It's never happened before right? in the history of the NCAA. A penalty has never been issued uh, in this fashion before. I think that that qualifies for being first of all it was discretionary this is a discretionary action by the committee that's number one number two it was student on student cheating there was nobody implicated the ncaa agreed across the board with that finding and it was clearly excessive so, as you know, we're, we're, we're going to appeal this, and one of the uh, options or clear uh, reasons for appeal is that the penalty is excessive in its discretion. And so, you know, we believe we have, uh, you know, obviously grounds there. Matt, thoughts on that? Uh, obviously, Notre Dame has to appeal, because if they take away the 2012 and 2013 victories, um, and Brian Kelly doesn't have a whole lot this year to add to the piggy bank. Thoughts on the situation in South Bend? <laughs> well, I would think it's good news there because doesn't that mean they can ignore the bitch slap by Alabama in the national championship yeah. game that year? I mean, they can't you know, even write that off. I haven't even looked at too. it that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that doesn't uh, count either, yeah. And, and, yeah, yeah. And, exactly. And the other thing that kind of hits me is, man, Brian, you really just helped the appeal. I don't care if you're before the NCAA or a judge, but when you basically say they're a bunch of incompetents, they screwed up, they had nothing, and they're screwing with me, that doesn't tend to help you when you're trying to persuade um, a a, a body with authority to to mess with you. Um, The the one that has really struck me about this is how did this stay private for so long? I get that Notre Dame as a private institution isn't subject to open records and FOIA, and and let's face it, that that is where reporters usually get their first sniff of these NCAA investigations, be it at at Carolina, be it at uh, Ole Miss or anything like that. But that was a huge advantage for Notre Dame because, again, to mention my alma mater for the third time tonight – one of the really big things we've been hurt by is just this cloud over the program for this, you know, I think we're up to about our third decade being under investigation for it. And it's been really hard to recruit because there's always the negative recruiting going on. Somehow Notre Dame got away without that. And frankly, I don't care how good, bad, whatever, what the kid did was. This is a slap on the wrist. 
I mean, am I the only one that just doesn't take this seriously? I watch those games. I know who won. And they've yeah. done this to so many other schools. They've done it to Alabama. Chip, I think they've done it to Auburn. They did it to yep. Georgia Tech. Technically, Georgia Tech didn't win that ACC title a few years ago. And it's just yeah. baloney. We all watch the games. We know who won them. Uh, again, with that, I, we don't know that much about the case yet because, again, it stayed quiet for so long. But if I'm Brian Kelly right now, I'm just keeping my mouth shut saying, yeah, something went wrong, uh, you know, and that was in the past, and we're moving forward. And we're going to build. Yeah. yeah, and just hope I keep my job after a lousy five-win season that they're working on right now. Yeah, no no question about it. Kev, thoughts on the situation? Matt brings up a good point. How did we not know about this? I mean, it uh, um, you know, it, it, it kind of came out of the blue, didn't it? Yeah, it, it, it did. Cause I, I had heard no rumblings, I mean, other than the, the rumblings that uh, were just mentioned about how pathetic a season – the number eight preseason uh, ranked team in the country is just just dreadful. Uh, let's, yeah. let's just cut to the chase. They're just terrible, and um, and and they go to USC this week uh, as a seventeen point underdog. I mean that's uh, probably something that hasn't happened in that series in quite some time. So uh, prospects are not too rosy for uh, for any improvement. But I mean Matt's right when he says. I mean I, I even I even wonder. I mean. I guess officially in the NCAA record book, they go in and alter or put an asterisk. I don't even know how that's denoted. But I very seriously doubt if Notre Dame lines up against um, Miami of Ohio or somebody in a few years, and maybe they played in that. I mean, just just, just take your pick of, of teams they might have played. And they say, Notre Dame is 8-1 and one all the time against this team. I don't think I don't think that uh, that loss gets taken away in terms of. I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 maybe it does. No, I don't think it does. Um, so I, you know, you know, like I say, it's a symbolic thing. At the end of the day, you know, I, I hate to quote my favorite politician, but what difference does it make? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well played, well, kid. Well played. And, yeah. And, so, and maybe anyway. the most. Maybe the most shocking part of the NCAA penalty is they want them to vacate two years of wins, and then they fine them $5,000. I mean, come on, wow. man. You know, really? Yeah. Uh, give me a break. Well, and what, one, other, one other quick point on that, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, all these schools now have tutors for the players. They have all this support system. I mean – this is not unique to Notre Dame. I don't know how all this really came to light, but I mean, if you don't think this isn't going on at every NCAA school uh, under the yeah. sun, you know, I mean, it's you, you, you know, Bizarre. you always yeah. have, and it's not just football players. You've always got situations where some really smart kids are doing work for some kids that are just trying to skate by. It, it's That's unfortunate. Right. It's it's cheating. It's all they're ultimately doing. And I'm going to sound like my father is, is cheating themselves, but at, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I mean, this is just this is just uh, something that has been going on since the beginning of time. Smart kids are going to do work for kids that don't want to apply themselves uh, for popularity, for acceptance, for all kinds of different reasons. And you know, like I say, I I, I certainly shudder at the thought that this is going on, but at the same time, it's it's just it's just life, it's just reality. 
It is. It definitely is. Guys, let me get your thoughts on one other uh, college football issue before we briefly talk NFL, before we wrap it up before Thanksgiving. Um, a very strange situation going on down in Austin, Texas with Charlie Strong. Um, his job has really been in jeopardy for about a year and a half. It looked like his fate was sealed on Saturday, and I think it was, when he went into Kansas as the football coach, not the basketball coach. And and lost in overtime to the Jayhawks. Now, Kip, I know you uh, you are a big Kansas fan, and you have uh, uh, a lot of uh, um, the Jayhawks paraphernalia at your house. But Texas yep. just lost to Kansas in football, um, and and that's reason to fire anybody. So the Austin American Statesman on Sunday evening um, um, puts on their website that Texas is made a decision to fire Charlie Strong, and ESPN picked it up. Then uh, Texas AD Dave Perrin came out and um, issued a statement Sunday night, and I will read the statement. It says, there are a number of rumors out there that this, on the status of Coach Strong. I've said all along we will evaluate the body of work after the regular season. We have a game to get ready for against TCU on Friday, and I hope our fans will come out and support the team. We'll discuss the, where things stand after that. Is it just me? Does this seem a little bit like the LSU situation last year with Les Miles? Yeah, it's, it's a lot like it, except for the fact that uh, the, the, the the Les Miles thing, the decision had been made, in my opinion, and then they, they backed off it uh, when from the top pressure came that, uh, you know, we, do we really want to do this buyout? And, and uh, they, they, they backed off. Uh, the Charlie Strong decision, the boosters basically made it halfway through the year. The Kansas uh, debacle was just the final. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's the justification on what they had. Already, yeah. I mean, I think he was going to be fired anyway. I mean, That's right. I, I, the big joke in our family all year has been Kansas out in Las Vegas. The over-under on season wins for them was one and a half. And uh, <laughs> they beat Rhode Island on opening. They beat Rhode Island on opening day, and then there was the big debate: was you know, if, if you're holding that ticket, are you optimistic? And looking at the schedule, you couldn't have been. So uh, the good news is, if you had Kansas uh, over one and a half, you are a chicken dinner winner. Congratulations! But you, you did, Strong, but you had you had to wait until the week before Thanksgiving to catch. That's right. That's right. Because they they let a couple get away against some uh, lesser teams. Although Iowa State next week was going to be one that they could have. Uh, maybe gotten it done, but um, I, the decision's been made. This is all just, just nonsense, and they've, they've decided that it's better to, to let him finish the season instead of in lame duck status. Um, I mean, that, that information came, I'm sure, from, from, a, from a booster that's, that's heavily connected. Uh, I mean, anybody, anybody kidding themselves that a decision hasn't been made, I think, is, is, uh, is really looking at it uh, through – uh, delusional perspective, and unlike the Les Miles situation, Charlie Strong could win fifty-six to nothing against TCU on Friday, and the, and he's he's still going to be wouldn't matter. The door. No, couldn't agree. Matt, thoughts on the situation in Austin with Charlie Strong? Yeah, I think Kip got a lot of it right, uh, Ch- but Chip, you can't make fun of having to wait until Thanksgiving to cash a ticket for Kansas winning two games. I mean, that's that's a pretty big accomplishment no matter when it happens. That was big. Um, it yeah. is. No, you're right. You're, uh, you're exactly right. Well, 
Well, let's say this. There's no good way to do this. When you know a coach is done, and I think we can all agree, he was at least 80-20 done going into Kansas, and that Mm -hmm. was just the last nail in the coffin. Uh, Do you just fire him straight out? Do you you sort of fire him and let him coach the last game? There's no good way. And as LSU showed last year, Maybe sometimes the worst thing you can do is let him have that extra game. Then all of a sudden the president panics. You keep him for a year, and he's done in the first month of the season because you were, your yeah. first instinct was right to get rid of him. Um, yeah. So all that goes into it. It's really difficult. At least you're not dealing with a legend. You're not trying to get rid of a Bobby Bowden or something like that. But I will say this. Charlie Strong has handled himself with class and dignity through right. this whole thing. And and it doesn't surprise any of us who follow who follow college football, but that is going to bode well for him in the future. Um, I wouldn't blame him one bit for sitting out a year or two and enjoying his ten or eleven million dollars, whatever the exact figure on the buyout is. Ten, ten point it, ten point two. Ten point there you two. go. But yeah. uh, but if he if he wants a job next year, I think he basically gets to decide. If it's a head coaching job at a slightly smaller program or a defense coordinator at any big country, any big program in the country, and he'll do a hell of a job there. Couldn't agree yep, with you I more, agree. guys. Let's uh, let's talk about two things NFL football before I uh, I let you guys give winners and losers, and uh, we will wrap this week before Thanksgiving before I completely lose. My voice, which I hate to say. I appreciate everybody listening in when the host of the Red Zone Sports Board is about to completely lose my voice. But we do need to talk about NFL football. Kip, we'll start with you. The um, Monday night football game last night in Mexico City had a little strange scenario, a little strange situation about a laser. Let me play a little bit of the um, a little bit of the broadcast, and then uh, I'll, I'm going to play a clip from Brock Osweiler's press conference. Want to get your thoughts? We appear to have an issue with laser pointers from the stands. You can see off the helmet there of Osweiler, somebody directing a laser. And we've seen it a couple of other times as well. And the NFL security is aware of it. Here's Brock Osweiler after the game, Kip. You know, when we were out there on the field, um, on offense, there was multiple times, um, you know, I saw a green laser coming from the stands. Uh, there was a couple times it, it definitely hit me in the eye, um, and it was it was very noticeable. You know, it's it's really hard to tell. Um, you know, I never want to say one thing's a difference maker, but um, you know, certainly having a a laser, uh, you know, zoomed in on your eyeball definitely affects how you play a game. <laughs> Kip, as if Brock Osweiler needs an excuse for not playing better at the quarterback position. But that was a strange situation yesterday developed in the second half of that game. Thoughts on uh, thoughts on the NFL playing a Monday night football game in Mexico City and then on Lasergate? Yes. Uh, well, from what I've seen, Osweiler looked better last night with the lasers in his eyes than he had all year. <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> maybe, he was, maybe he couldn't see what he was doing. Um, cause, he I mean, really did. Really kind of, between the officials and their own ineptitude, really frittered that game away. Uh, you know, we're not talking about officials, but they certainly didn't help Houston's cause last night. DeAndre Hopkins never stepped out of bounds, ran 70 yards for a touchdown, yeah. and brought it back to the 39-yard line. Um, it, you know, with all the technology and everything else, and I actually heard somebody say today, well, you know, you can't take the human element completely out of the game. My question to that is, why the hell not? 
Uh, yeah, that's somebody right. Somebody buzz, buzz down and say, hey, uh, he didn't step out of bounds. Uh, I mean, I, I, I just don't understand why we have if, – if we're going to have replay and review, why is it half-ass and, and, and still protecting these guys on the field? Uh, anyway, it's, it's another subject for another day. And also the two the – two, uh, you guys know for that I've been uh, a crusader for years. With all the technology and everything available – the fact that 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 two little um, uh, stout fellas on each sideline, one a high school principal, the other probably an insurance salesman, has to come waddling <laughs> in from the side and stick their foot where they think the ball should be, is about as scientific as just throwing a beanbag and wherever that lands is where you put it. Um, that's right. You know, in this day and age, that's still how we spot the football. And it's so archaic. Yeah. And it's, you know, so anyway, and I won't even get into my rant about the guys holding the poles with the chain connecting it that look like road road crew convict chain gang guys. But anyway, so the Texans had a lot of help in losing that game last night, but they did lose it, and, and, and the Raiders made the big plays and got the win. As far as Mexico City is concerned, uh, certainly, there there appears to be a lot of passion there. People will follow the game, and and um, and I don't mind the NFL branching out and and playing some international games. But um, at some stage, um, are, 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 is the end game to give these international cities franchises at some point? I mean, or is this just always going to be certainly looks novel? like it? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, you know, I, 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 I'd like to this, – this experiment seemingly has been going on forever. Didn't they say the first game in Mexico City was back in, like, 2006? Um, yeah. They've been dabbling with this forever. If there is some kind of strategy, you know, I, clue us in, you know. Are, are, we, are we looking at international expansion? Or are we just going to continue to send teams uh, to foreign countries? Uh, the players are already grousing a lot about the London games. At least Mexico City is in this in, – in, you know, in this uh, – part of the world so uh i don't really have a problem with it but i'd sure like to know what the what what the motivation is of uh of continuing to do these games if you know if it is expansion and 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 ultimately franchises in these places then you know then then clue us into the plan uh, roger yeah i think you know how would you uh how would you like if the nfl expands into mexico city you know uh and and then the expansion draft you know, how would you like to be the player on each team that gets taken and you get to move, you know, up and move you and your family to Mexico City? Congratulations, well, you've made it to the big time, you know. So, the even yeah. better. Matt, let me ask you this before we get to winners and losers. Um, Thanksgiving Day football is one of the great things about Thanksgiving is that, you know, for years and years and years we've had two games uh, over the past uh, about – Ten years, I guess we've had three. This is the first year, I think, in 18 years, where all of the teams playing on Thanksgiving Day um, either have winning records or they're 500. Nobody playing on Thanksgiving has a losing record. So, um, got some pretty good games: Lions and Vikings, Redskins, Cowboys, and then the night game, uh, the Steelers and the Colts, both at five and five. But give me your thoughts on. Um, on uh, how you see uh, kind of uh, these uh, these games playing out on Thanksgiving Day. Well, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. We actually might get some good football. Uh, let's face it, with Detroit struggles through the years, there have been some pretty embarrassing uh, oh, Lions man. games. Yeah. Uh, so, so that should be good. Um, that is actually the game that fascinates me the most. Minnesota uh, 
finally ended a pretty bad losing streak this weekend. Detroit just keeps finding ways to win late. They do. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think this has a chance to be a really great game. And, uh, and, and then you get to, you know, Washington, Dallas, even if they, this is a little bit like Alabama, Auburn, even if they weren't winning records and in contention for the playoffs, this is just a great rivalry game. Oh yeah. And I, I remember, I remember watching this game as a child, be it, be it on a Sunday or be it on Thanksgiving. And, um, and, and it always delivers Pittsburgh, Indianapolis probably lost a little shine because it doesn't look like Andrew Luck's going to play. Yeah. He got put in the concussion protocol after the game. Um, and, and just a, pretty good. No question. Yeah. But, and, and to make a quick aside, there's a lot of people beating up the NFL. Like, well, how did, how, why did, why wasn't he pulled immediately? You know, concussions can take a second to start showing symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, to put it in a context that, that maybe the three of us would understand more. Sometimes I've had one too many before I realized I had one too many. And, and I think concussions are a little bit like that. It might take a second before it's obvious to everyone else. Uh, but anyhow, so I don't think they did anything wrong. I think the new protocol is actually working pretty well. But we've all seen this. It's tough to get out of the protocol in time for a game the following Sunday. To get out of it in three days and be ready to play on Thursday, pretty sure we're going to see his backup, uh, Tolson, I believe it is. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think, this, yeah. again, that's going to take just a little off of what otherwise would have been a marquee matchup. But, hey, way better than Thanksgiving usually is as far as the NFL. And uh, I, 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 like most Americans, am, 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 am very much looking forward to it. Good deal. Kip, your thoughts on Thanksgiving Day games before we go to winners and losers? Well, you know, growing up uh, in the first part of my life in Washington, D.C., and going to a lot of Redskin games, Redskin-Cowboy games are always special anyway. Yeah. It's like we talked about the Iron Bowl and Ohio State-Michigan. In the NFL, even if both teams are bad, Cowboys-Redskins is just one of those magic matchups. So for it to be on Thanksgiving is always fun. Uh, I still have horror uh, memories of of the famous uh, Thanksgiving Day game where the Redskins were a big underdog, went down there, knocked Roger Staubach out of the game in the mid-'70s, only to have a guy named Clint Longley come in and throw two bombs to beat him in the the last three minutes. Um, That's the last uh, Thanksgiving. I think they've played maybe one other time since then, but that's the one that kind of stands out uh, when I was about a sophomore in high school. But... um, (laughs) It's 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 it, 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 that's always a great game and and yeah how how much fun is it going to be to see the Lions being relevant and uh, props to Matt Stafford uh, uh, everybody had kind of given up on him you know it, you guys play fantasy football remember a couple of years ago he was right up there in the top couple of quarterbacks and was sought after I, I I made the I made the statement this year in one of our drafts uh, as he showed up down in like the number three hundred and eighty spot or so that gosh, how far has poor Matt Stafford fallen, but uh, he has had a real revival and, and he doesn't have a whole lot around him there. And, uh, and yet the Lions defense and, and his savvy has led them to be, I, I would, I would argue the surprise team of the NFL this year. Cause I don't think anybody really thought much of their chances. The Vikings got off to the five and O start. Um, you know, they're a team that's been trying to, trying to win without any running backs, and that's a hard thing to do. Uh, ask the Green Bay Packers that question. Um, uh, so those are good matchups, and it's always fun to watch the Steelers. Uh, you know, the Colts not at full strength, but it is in Indianapolis, so that's still going to be a competitive game. Love Thanksgiving football. Can't wait. 
Awesome, awesome. I couldn't agree with you more. Matt Metcalf, go ahead and give us your winners and losers for the week in sports. Well, tempted to make you a winner for getting through this with your voice the way it is. I appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, Brutal, exactly. baby. Hey, appreciate you got you you to go, baby. You got to go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going off the sports path real quickly, because we all know in a couple of days it is Thanksgiving. Um, one of my winners is, is, is stuffing slash dressing, depending on where you are in the country. Uh, I, I, it is absolutely the <laughs> finest Thanksgiving side dish. And anyone who disagrees with that can can come meet me in an alley, and I'll fight you over that. Uh, my, my sports you'll beat winner. you stuffing out of them. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. I like that, Kip. Uh, my sports winner, Chip, as long as you don't hold me to the rule of anybody I've mentioned before, is any team, any journalist – uh, who got to go to the Maui Invitational this year for oh, that yeah. basketball tournament. Always oh, yeah. great, but, but particularly with the winter storms we're having in the Midwest and Northeast. Um, again, my beloved Tar Heels are out there, and I follow the, 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 the team reporter from the Raleigh newspaper, and the pictures he's been putting on the Internet are about to make me nauseous, but good for all of them. Uh, <laughs> losers, losers, cranberry sauce. Never understood it. Uh, my oh, daughters my say word. cranberries are cherries that hate us, and um, I've just I've never understood it being that ugly gel mold that my mom would put on the thing, or if you get the real ones. Uh, as far as sports losers, uh, Jurgen Klinsmann released this oh, yeah. as head well coach played. of the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, it was an experiment that should have worked in so many ways, but yeah. Uh, his his lack of a tactical of a consistent tactical approach and constantly throwing new formations at these guys. Understand these are national teams that only get together for two weeks about every other month. So yeah. it's hard to institute changes and and he threw some stuff at him this past couple of weeks with the the game against Mexico and then down in Costa Rica. Uh, we were beaten in one and humiliating the other. It was time and um, but but Jurgen, you, you know we're gonna miss you, buddy. It was a it was a decent run. <laughs> well played, baby. Well played. Uh, Kip, your winners and losers for the week in sports. Winner, I have to say, even though he uh, wasn't a very gracious winner after the game, but uh, you got to say, for me, Kirk Cousins, um, this is a guy that they were holding out, giving him the big, sweet contract after his breakthrough year last year. Um, he, he was just on fire Monday night, uh, or Sunday night, I guess it was, against the Packers, who uh, admittedly have a terrible secondary. He uh, bounced around with the ridiculous uh, how do you like me now nonsense after the game and uh, that I found pretty classless. But uh, uh, Kirk Cousins is, is now the Redskins are forced into a position where they're going to have to give him just a ridiculous contract. They can't let him walk away uh, because he has demonstrated himself to be a marquee quarterback. I think the contract he's going to get is going to be astounding for a guy that I still think is you know, a, a good quarterback, but I, I'm not even sold that he's one of the elites, but he's going to get paid like one. On the Thanksgiving theme, the other winner there, uh, I'm glad Matt's opened this uh, category, uh, turkey sandwiches. <laughs> uh, man, they're just you, you get the mayonnaise going and you get the, you get the, good, you get the good bread. And, oh, man, it's just, it's, it, that's just the best. On the loser side, on the Thanksgiving area, 
guys, give me give me the rundown. What the hell is a rutabaga, and why do we? Why does anybody hear it? Isn't that a root that you boil till you can like gnaw on it? And, 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 yeah. And, and people actually say that's something that uh, don't put a rutabaga on my table. What what to, uh, what, what to Thanksgiving go are you going to where they serve rutabaga? <laughs> I, I mean, was just I know the you're same a couple thing, hours man. drive. Yeah, come on, Kip. Get by my house. I'll hook you up with some ducking, <laughs> some mashed potatoes, some mac and cheese, you know, rutabaga. Oh, man, does that sound I, I've got these vegetable-oriented relatives in my family that, that just – and they put that stuff in front of my sister when I was a kid. They'd say, see, she's eating everybody. She loves, isn't that good, Christy? And I just you – know, I'm scarred for life from that. Um, well so, played, yeah, Kip. Not, not a fan. Not a fan. And well the, other, played. the other sports loser, the Cookie Monster, Coach O, Ed Orgeron. Uh, yeah. Coaches are up. He's going to have to go back to the temp agency. Uh, Joe Oliva put out a letter midweek that basically spelled out the criteria for their new coach even before the embarrassing performance by LSU uh, against Florida, and his fate was sealed for good. Did you guys see the play they tried to run on the last play of the game? Uh, the yard run? Everybody yeah. went the wrong direction. Uh, Etling turned around. Geis was, was supposed to get a toss sweep, and Geis was right behind him <laughs> looking like he was waiting for a draw. It was just a See. See you later, Cookie Monster. He's going to go in there and say, I want a job. And they're going to say, not going to happen, Coach O. Uh, you're going to have to go down the road. So, it would uh, work better if everyone again, had gone the wrong direction. The problem is half went the wrong direction. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was, God, was, yeah, that was terrible. you got to get you, – you're, you're, you're supposed to have that fixed out, fixed by this time in the season. So uh, <laughs> I remember watching that on TV going um, – I don't think they practiced it that way, <laughs> you know. I think that was a little no. bit different. Um, my winners and losers for the week, and I won't be able to expand on it a whole lot because I'm completely losing my voice, but my winners for the week, um, Vin Scully has to be a winner today. He was oh, handed sure. the Presidential Medal of Freedom, a very deserving awesome. honor for a very good man. We will certainly miss him as he retires from broadcasting. Vin Scully, a winner. And then NASCAR, um, Jimmy Johnson and Carl Edwards, I think, are also winners. Jimmy Johnson because he won his, his seventh uh, NASCAR Sprint Cup title, and Carl Edwards because how he handled defeat when um, uh, when he was uh, wrecked by Joey Logano with what I believe, Matt, was 12, 13 laps to go and one of the uh, yep. what we thought might be the final restart, but both of those guys are winners. My losers for the week have to be NFL kickers. Missed a record of 12 <laughs> extra points this week guys i know they moved the ball back a little bit so now they have to kick an extra point of his what 28 30 yard uh, uh, field goal come on guys you get paid a lot of money to kick it through the uprights this is a 30 32 yard extra point one would think that um uh that uh you might see one or two maybe three on a weekend but to have 12 extra points missed uh, over the uh, over any NFL Sunday is just awful. <clears throat> but guys, thank you very much for hanging with me. I am out of gas. <laughs> hey, thanks for hanging on. Thanks, everybody. I'm out of gas. Y'all have a great, great Thanksgiving with your family. Eat a lot of food. Um, uh, eat a lot of pie. Eat a lot of mashed potatoes. Uh, watch a lot of football, and we will catch you back next week on the Red Zone Sports Report. And I promise 
that I will have my voice back, and we will have uh, a lot to talk about. We'll have uh, we'll talk about all the big games this weekend in college football, uh, and then uh, we will talk about uh, all the Thanksgiving Day games and what we know will be a, a very exciting week of NFL games as well. So, uh, Kip and Matt, thank you so much for uh, kind of bailing me out this week with uh, my voice on the DL. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll catch you next week.